inside a small county in West Virginia, residents have seen a drastic change in their livelihood for the past decade. A relatively new industry has emerged, called vertical hydraulic fracturing, sometimes called fracking. And this quiet and mountainous countryside of roughly 8,000 residents has been transformed into a hub of the industry that spread all across the state. Some residents welcome this new development, like Christina Trent, an auto shop owner. West Virginia is a poor state. I mean, if it wasn't for the oil and gas and the coal industry, West Virginia doesn't have a whole lot here. So it's made our county grow. But not everyone is as happy with the enormous industrial activity in the county. I would say anybody around here with young children should get out of here as fast as possible. It's that bad in this place now. Enough is enough. They have enough well pads and they have enough holes in the ground here. That's Mariana Barham and Lindsay Ervelina, residents and activists fighting against the practice. These are some of the people I spoke to inside the county, and as you can hear, they have varying opinions on the benefits of the hydraulic fracturing operations in the area. You'll hear more from them and others in upcoming episodes. Doddridge County is a small county in West Virginia, situated roughly one hour south from the Pennsylvania border. Historically a farming, oil, gas and coal mining state, it's always had a strong economic bond with natural gas extraction. The abundance of it even resulted in residents getting free gas into their homes to fuel their needs. It wasn't until around the year 2008 that the new modern hydraulic fracturing methods, so-called vertical drillings, dramatically altered the landscape of the county, both figuratively and literally. Little to no coal production takes place in Doddridge County today, but oil and gas has always been the county's bread and butter, which is evident by the fact that there are 3,683 active conventional vertical wells on file in the county. In the 21st century, hydraulic fracturing has grown exponentially. The production of natural gas from shale rock in the United States increased more than tenfold in the past decade. One of the reasons for this development is the discovery of a huge formation of an underground shale rock called the Marcellus Shale that has had profound effect on the energy market. You know, Doddridge County has been heavily involved, Doddridge and Ritchie, they've been, they've been involved in every gas boom, every you know, oil boom that's, that's happened in this century, and this one was no, no different. You know, they were, um, you know, they were right in the center of, uh, you know, the, the boom of the Marcellus, you know, late 2000s, uh, early 2010s. Um, they were right there involved in the middle of it. That's Henry J. Harmon, the Deputy Chief of the Office of Oil and Gas at the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection. We'll hear more from him later, but what did the discovery of this underground rock mean for the industry? Well, the shale rock is considered to be the largest natural gas resource in the United States. The rock lies under most of the Appalachian Basin, including West Virginia, 
Dobris County is primely located for its extraction potential. So what about this hydraulic fracturing technique? And how is it different from regular gas drilling? So the process goes like this. You drill vertically down, you drill horizontally across, you pump water down under high pressure uh, and explosively fracture the shale. Then you have to pump the water back out along with uh, any oils and other hydrocarbons that are trapped in the shale layer with the natural gas. And then you have to pump down in, back into the well, the sand to hold open the cracks while the gas itself flows out over the course of time. That's Dr. Michael McCauley. He works for the Department of Occupational and Environmental Health Sciences at West Virginia University. This new technology of horizontal drilling is different from the traditional one, where people simply drill strictly down into the ground for gas. It obviously works well. Let me draw you a picture. In 2015, total Douglas County gas production was 364 billion cubic feet, while the Marcellus shale wells produced 331 billion cubic feet of that total, 91%. Again, 91% of the gas production in the county came from only 9.5% of the wells. That sounds like a good value. So why is this new hydraulic fracturing method so contested? Does it really pollute the environment? For answers, I went to see Dr. Paul Simkiewicz. So this is a, um, a piece of the Marcella Shale. Yep. It's quite heavy. Yeah. Dense, very little air in it. Where did you get this from? Did you uh, just take it from side? Mine, who's a petroleum geologist, gave it to me. Yeah. Could you crack this and get any gas from it? If you pulverized it, yes, you would get some gas produced out of it. Yeah. Whether it be enough to sustain a flame or not, I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> Dr. Simkiewicz tells me that there hasn't been found any evidence of the formation water used in the practice leaking or migrating off somewhere. What people should be worried about is what comes up after the drilling. The first thing that everyone gets wrong is they focus on the actual injected fluid, the additives, which are maybe half percent of the total volume of fluid going down hole. And uh, I've looked at that stuff, I've characterized it, uh, it's really pretty innocuous stuff. What is really bad is the produced water that comes out and that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse for about you know, two or three years and then it levels off. But it's extremely saline, has a lot of radioactivity in it. Uh, and can have uh, a number of nasty organics in it. Dr. Simkiewicz says that if drilling sites don't have what he calls secondary containment for the water flowing back up from the wells, there is risk of spill potential, leakage and spills to local creeks. People really should focus a lot more on what's coming out of the hole and how it's managed. Is it being, is it being taken to proper disposal sites? Is it being recycled properly? Is it being stored properly? Is it leaking somewhere? Are truckers hauling this stuff down the road, dumping in the storm drains in the middle of the night? <laughs> that's the issue, and that's where the bulk of leakage comes from, off-site. On-site, I wish people would pay a lot more attention to secondary containment around the tanks so that you have berms that can capture the, the released water if those tanks fail, if the lightning strike hits them, uh, 
someone swings a backhoe into one and punches a hole in it, or someone shoots a hole in it with a rifle. <laughs> All these things can happen. If you have secondary containment, that stuff stays on site. Jason Harmon, the Deputy Chief of the Office of Oil and Gas at the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection that we heard from earlier, he has a large number of inspectors all across the state. His job is essentially to enforce the laws of the state and make sure all regulations and rules are followed. A part of that is inspecting the gas wells, the constructions and the operations around them. In his office in the state capital of Charleston, I pressed him on various topics. Our job is to enforce the rules and regulations of the state, and that's it. Now, I believe that the regulatory program that we've created in the state does protect the environment. Accidents happen. You know, this is a very industrialized activity, and I don't want to put it out there and pretend like everything, like nothing has ever gone wrong. Things do go wrong. If something goes wrong in the field, it's not, it's not a, due to a problem with the regulatory environment. It's a problem with whatever led to the accident. That's really the niche of where the DEP fits in. So we, we have these rules. And our job is to see problems and head the, or see potential problems and head them off before they become either um, uh, accidents that harm people or, uh, or the environment in any way. Accidents do happen though, and although Mr. Harmon doesn't like to mention any specific names, he tells me that there have been some serious mishaps around gas wells in the past decade. It was a drilling accident where an operator uh, drilled into a producing well. I realize this is an audio format, but I'm gonna use my hands. So there's a well over here, and it comes this way, and there's a well here that they're drilling. And they meant to go this way, but they drilled this way, and they hit the well. They, so they actually hit two of their own wells. And this well was a producing well, which meant that it had live gas in it. So at about 600 feet deep, there was a, a plume of gas that originated and it led to an offset well. So ne neither of those wells, there was a well over here that no one knew was there. It was drilled um, prior to 1929 and no one knew the well was there. Well, it happened to be of you know, poor construction, as you can imagine, it's you know, nearly 100 years old. It was built to the standards of the time which were, by today's standards, grossly inadequate. And it caused this well to spew out oil and gunk and a lot of nasty stuff inside. Well, that oil and gunk then uh, managed to um, impact nearby water wells. That's probably the, the largest accident that we've had uh, since, I've, since I've worked here. And that was a very, it was a very long-standing um, issue uh, that only now has, you know, recently become resolved. So, you know, that's, that's, that's one that sticks out in my mind as, as probably the worst. Although Mr. Harmon declined to say where, an accident like the one he's describing happened in Dartridge County in 2014, more specifically on an Antero Resources prim pad near West Union. 
where a so-called Stella 1-8 swell collided with a function in Cali 2-8 swell, affecting four personal water wells in the area. The DEP ordered the gas company to cease operations and issued additional violations in connection with the incident. How often do companies get violations and what are the repercussions for them? Are there high fines? or Sometimes we don't issue a violation. Sometimes we do. It's um, sort of akin to um, getting a speeding ticket. You get pulled over for speeding. Sometimes you get a warning. Sometimes you go to jail. It, it just depends. Now that's an extreme example and we don't have the authority to send someone to jail. But we do have a, a lot of tools at our disposal to get compliance. Um, it may range from uh, you need to address this issue and I'll be back tomorrow to check it out. And, or it may be you're getting a violation right now. Or you have to shut down your entire operation immediately. You'll hear more from Mr. Harmon in my next episode as I try to get to the bottom of the hundreds of complaints the DEP has received in the past decade as a result of the gas extractions in Dodrids and neighboring counties. In my third episode, you'll also hear his explanation on why hundreds of water contamination complaints and finding in neighboring state of Pennsylvania don't necessarily equate similar results in West Virginia. The 260 positive water contaminations found in Pennsylvania from 2008 to 2017 is a stark contrast to only a single case of confirmed water contamination in West Virginia. His explanation might surprise you. In that same episode, I'll go over the numbers for how many complaints and citations the DEP has dealt with in the past years. Now, the economic impact of the practice cannot be denied. For the country as a whole, the natural gas prices have dropped 47% since 2013 and gas bills dropped $13 billion per year in total from 2007 to 2013. In addition, University of Michigan researchers estimate that the economic welfare of consumers increased by about $74 billion per year from 2007 to 2013 due to this lower cost of natural gas. For states like West Virginia, that has seen a sharp decline in coal production and has a $466 million budget gap in 2017, it is no wonder that hydraulic fracturing operations in the 29 out of its 55 counties are welcomed by many. Today, the small state is the 8th largest gas producer in the United States. For Dodgers County specifically, it's had an enormous impact on the economy, with 857 horizontal hydraulic fracturing wells having been permitted since 2008 and at least 387 of those still active today. It has created tax revenue for the county and created some much needed employment. Now out of all 50 counties in West Virginia, the rate of job creation was the highest in Douglas County, or 2.1% between 2005 and 2015. And that's no coincidence, because according to the United States Census Bureau, 18% of the county's residents were employed in construction and extraction 
in 2015. In addition, transportation and other gas field related jobs employed a good share of the inhabitants in the county. I'll be talking about employment and tax revenue, and of course the not so obvious expenses of the county, in detail in episode 3. The hydraulic fracturing industry has created substantial economic benefits in the county for the state as a whole and also nationwide. But this surge in industrial activity comes with a price. Reports both from researchers and scholars, in addition to residents themselves about water and air contamination, earthquakes and other factors linked with hydraulic fracturing operations have created waves of protest. And it's not only a few residents of a county in West Virginia who debate the greater good of this vertical drilling boom. It's captured national news headlines and become a heated subject of political dispute. Trouble at a natural gas drilling site forces seven families from their homes and crews worry about a possible explosion. There are places where fracking is going on that are not sufficiently regulated. So first, we've got to regulate everything that is currently underway, and we have to have a system in place that prevents further fracking unless conditions like the ones that I just mentioned are met. Senator Sanders, you... you, my, you answer, my answer is a lot shorter. No, I do not support fracking. One of the most challenging things about it is we have to recognize that all industrial operations and practices have some impact. That is true. That's Joshua Fershay, a law professor at West Virginia University, leading the Center for Energy Scientific and Sustainable Development. Aside, he says that similar sort of to Dr. Simkiewicz, people are not focusing their concerns the right way. Like he continues and explains that modern hydraulic fracturing is a relatively new science and the risks and environmental impacts are still being assessed. It's clear that there are some environmental impacts, um, but that doesn't happen in a vacuum. So for example, if we're extracting natural gas instead of coal, well, as coal declines and what's happening, you're offsetting those environmental impacts. Or uh, if you look at other uh, activities that we take for granted, for example, one of the things that people get worried about, and rightly so, about um, what happens to animals and habitats. Um, but we don't tend to worry about, and we worry about, this is true in the energy sector everywhere, right? People are really worried about birds and bats uh, with regard to windmills. But people don't get too exercised about how many birds are killed by cars and trucks every year. And the numbers are not even close. Um, transportation is by far the biggest um, killer of birds. Uh, has nothing, wind and, and natural gas and coal. Um, don't. And so we have to keep some perspective, I think. Professor Fershay has lived and done extensive research in North Dakota, where an oil and gas boom transformed areas economically in a similar way to Dartmouth County and West Virginia. One of the things that we've seen is the just the increase in population creates crime problems. That fact is echoed by Sheriff Michael Heatley, who I talked to in detail in my third episode. The oil and gas business has really increased the workload. I mean, you got all different kinds of people in here, out-of-staters, uh, foreigners. The, the, drug, the, the drug problem has increased since that's happened. For Dodgers County, 
traffic accidents more than doubled between 2012 and 2015. Similarly, the number of citations given in the county increased by 40% from 2013 to 2014, totaling up to 1,339 citations. This can of course be explained by increased traffic and more police officers on the road. It is interesting to note though that according to one 2014 study by the Keystone Research Center, the high increase in crime was inconsistent with a rather small population growth in smaller areas where hydraulic fracturing took place. This rings true to Dodgers County where population hasn't grown more than 2% since the year 2000. It must be noted though that many of those working in gas operation and transportation are transient workers who might not be registered as living in the county. So why should you, the listener, care about hydraulic fracturing? You might not even be living in West Virginia or even in the United States. I'll give Dr. McCauley the last word. Well, for any source of potential contamination, uh, everybody has to understand that we all live downstream. And so anything uh, that's emitted into the environment is a, is a threat to everybody if it's not controlled, if it's not contained. And so you can live far away and still be threatened by it. Secondly, um, in a country, the costs of health care are borne really by everyone. Uh, you may think, well, that, that's health care in that location. That's not coming out of my pocket, but it is. Healthcare costs are, should be a concern to everybody. And so if there's a problem that causes disease, then that's a problem for everybody. It's a problem for the entire country's economy, problem perhaps for the entire world's economy. So these are, these are concerns that I think uh, need to be common for everyone. Other than the altruistic, we should all care for our neighbors. Uh, if, if we are just self-centered, we still need to care because it's affecting our pocketbook as well. So, um, yeah, you should care about your neighbor and maybe you need to take a look at your own economy. Want to hear more? Then come with me on a journey to Dartmouth County as I try to understand why people have such strong opinions on the matter. My goal is to give voice to those who this industrial practice affects personally, whether for better or for worse. In my next podcast, I'll be heading down to the county and take a ride around the back roads and highways of the area with a former gas company employee turned activist. Once again, another big well pad sitting on a ridge. And, you know, here's a house, here's, you know, Air pollution, where will it end up? Right down here. And I'll also hear from a family who's seen their environment take a turn for the worse after fracturing operations commenced. It was usually the air was so bad that we couldn't, we shouldn't even be outside. Thanks for listening. Music is from bandsound.com and freemusicarchive.org.